Welcome to Rejuvenated Women, Impeccable Health for High-Performing Women. Each week we feature interviews, information, and inspiration that will motivate you to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. My name is Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, selfless syndrome expert, board-certified women's health coach, alternative medicine practitioner, retired chiropractor, wife, mom, and entrepreneur. I specialize in health for busy and driven women. Listen weekly as I share the tools, perspective, and knowledge you need to lose weight, boost your energy, and fall in love with yourself so that you can serve the world with an even bigger impact. Hello, and welcome back to Rejuvenated Women, Impeccable Health for High-Performing Women. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, and today I am joined by Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge, who is a mental health trailblazer, founder of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health, and media personality who is changing the way we view and treat our children's mental health. She is known for brain-based solutions for struggling kids, and her work has helped thousands reverse the most challenging conditions such as ADHD, anxiety, mood, Lyme, and PANS pandas using proven holistic therapies. She's often featured on dozens of media outlets. So Dr. Roseanne, welcome to the show. Well, I'm so excited. If, if our pre-talk is any indication of how good this podcast is going to be, it's going to be awesome. Oh, it's going to be great. And I'm excited. You know, this is shifting gears a little bit from what I normally focus on. We were talking about, you know, the focus of this show is on selfless syndrome and how we as women really struggle to make time for ourselves sometimes. And one of the big areas that that really rears its head is with our kids. You know, my, my previous background, I actually didn't share this. I've been a pediatric chiropractor for the last decade. And so a lot of how I got into doing what I do is watching moms just floundering and struggling to take care of themselves because they're so worried about their, their kids. And I'm sure you see this a lot too. Absolutely. And there, let's be honest, Alex, there's a lot to worry about kids today and increasingly so in this pandemic. And, you know, we, as parents and especially as mothers, you know, there's that whole, that old adage, you know, you're only as happy as your happiest child. And I get that Yeah, (laughs) as a special needs mom times two with one kid with pretty severe mental health struggles due to having Lyme and pans um, and having pans, you know, it's, it's hard when you are, your child is struggling, right? So 50% of us children have a physical or mental health problem. So this is not uncommon, right? And what do we do? We put ourselves on pause. Yeah. Uh, hopefully only pause. Um, but we, we don't, we think that, you know, I always used to talk about when, you know, my, my son got Lyme when he was, um, 22 months old and we didn't know. And so I had already been working with patients with Lyme disease for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so I knew, but I didn't know. And I didn't know you can get Lyme in December, right? Because at this point it was, you know, mid 2000s that, you know, we didn't, we just didn't know. There's still so much ignorance about it. So when we finally knew within a six month period that he had Lyme, you know, it was already too late, you know, it had gone to the brain as little as two weeks and go to the, go to different organs with the brain yeah. being one of it. And, um, I kept thinking the next treatment was the solution, right? So they put him on this kind of antibiotics. I thought that's going to be the fix. So, so I treated everything like a sprint 
not a marathon. And once about seven, eight years came along, I said, I think this is a marathon. (laughs) And, you know, I put on, I don't know how much weight I put on 30, 40 pounds. You know, I just really wasn't doing that self-care. And, and then I was like, I got, I got to prepare. Okay. I got to prepare. And that means I've got to take care of myself. And then I just redid everything, but you know, it's so easy to feel like I'm, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to take care of myself and how bad it is. Like it, it can unravel real quick, you know, in terms of your own physical and mental health. Um, and we think we're doing the right thing by focusing on our kids, but I promise you, you're not. Yeah. They need us to focus on ourselves. And, you know, I still struggle with this too. Like even just my most recent example is this last week, my son uh, just got back from visiting his dad in Minnesota. He was sick like the entire week. He's been back with a fever and a cough and, you know, snotty nose, not COVID, but we did get him tested just to be sure. Cause that's what we do these days. But on Friday, I, you know, Friday had become my self-care day and I had a massage scheduled and I normally got adjusted and like, just have some downtime. And, uh, Somebody didn't want that to be what we did that day. And so who ends up rescheduling their massage? And, you know, I did reschedule. I didn't just flat out cancel. But the whole time I was thinking, I'm like, okay, like, you know, there, there's this place where there's give and take with it, but we have to like yeah. be committed to right. making it happen. So I had my massage yesterday. I went kayaking with a friend. Like, yeah. you know, I, I did what I needed to do and I didn't feel guilty about it. And I was just like, this is for me so I can show up and be a better mom for him, which is ultimately what it's about. Yeah. Well, the mom guilt is real. And, you know, here's what I always say. Like, I'm, I'm going to get my nails done tonight because I got a photo shoot on Wednesday. I got to get rid of the red nails. So I got to have a more neutral nail color or whatever, which is I love getting my nails done. It's always so fun or whatever. We all have our things. So the big things that are an hour or two hours or a day are great. But what I always talk about is that, you know, let's look to neuroscience, right? So I'm always like brainy nerd nerdy stuff with Dr. Rao. Neuroscience says we just need as little as 10 minutes to regulate our nervous system. So I think one of the biggest barriers to mom self-care is the time barrier. And I think it's valid. I think it's true. You know, I think sometimes we have times in our lives, especially when our kids are real little, you know, you're nursing you know, you're a milk truck, you got multiple kids, you know, you're, you're pandemics, homeschooling and working right. great. There are a lot of things, right? You know what I mean? You bought some puppies and you're like, why did I buy some puppies? <laughs> I already have kids, you know, like just all these things you're getting divorced, whatever. I, my mom just had a stroke, you know, like I'm trying to figure things out. Right. But you need 10 minutes. And I think when we say, Every freaking mother can get 10 minutes in their day. Okay. I don't care if you sit in your car, you don't want to go to the bathroom because they're going to find you in the bathroom. That's the place everybody (laughs) finds you, right? Maybe it's a guest bedroom, you know, maybe it's some other location and, and, or maybe you're getting up early or you're doing this at night or both. And you're doing things like you missed your fun time because your son was sick. That happens. Mm-hmm. Well, what's your backup self-care that you can do on your own? For me, it's always breath work, right? And if some people, the thought of people have some people, especially with a trauma background, sometimes have a visceral respect reaction to doing breath work. Well, 
you can do walking meditation. You can do yoga. You can do brain gym exercises. You can do somatic experiencing based exercises. There are other things you can do and it can be 10 minutes. It just has to be something you're conscious about and you've got to create that time and you have to be consistent about it. I think that's been something that's hard for people. You can't just do one-offs and then be like, oh yeah, I should be feeling great. You know, a massage every other week. Hello, I do that is great. But what do you do in the other 13 days? Exactly. And I think we get, you know, and I found for me, we get so hung up on that. It has to look a certain way. Like mm-hmm. if I'm going to do yoga, I have to put on my clothes and it takes like yeah. an hour and a half. I have to go to the studio. Like, no, you can like put on some yoga with Adrian for 10 minutes and just like do something in your pajamas. Like it doesn't have to, you know, we have to look, let go of the, I guess it's societal constructs. It's the best thing I can come up with. You know, things have to look a certain way or your house has to be clean enough for you to take time for, you know, yourself or, or whatever it is. I mean, great point. Like there will always be daily things that we need to do on our list. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I've gotten real comfortable with leaving the dishes in the sink and then going for a walk. Like, you know, my mother probably would get twitchy, but my mother doesn't live there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I grew up with a house where, you know, uh, in the seventies, my mom had the plastic on the mm-hmm. furniture, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, she really liked things to be clean. That was her pride and joy. I don't think I ever really bought into that. You know, I like things to be clean. I'm not going to lie. Don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, I found found ways for me to economize my time and prioritize certain things. It's called a housekeeper. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> I but we all got to do what we can do, right? I think yeah. a lot of working women, we choose, I know I chose a housekeeper over a babysitter. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's always going to be a priority for me. Um, where other people like to get takeout. I don't like takeout a lot. I like to cook. That's my Zen. That's my relaxation point. Um, So we have to look at what do we have? What can we do? And what can you do on the daily? These 10 minutes have to be a priority. Maybe before your feet touch, you know, the floor in the morning, you're doing 10 minutes of breath work, or you're doing 10 minutes of prayer, you know, you're doing, you know, gratitude, you know, positive affirmations, like these things as corny as they sound, they're not corny. They regulate your nervous system. And we are so stress activated Mm -hmm. that we've got to really help get this down, not just for ourselves, but because our kids do something fancy called co-regulate based on how we are regulating. So when we don't have our stuff together, they feel it through the nonverbal communication that is coming through you. So kids of all ages will pay more attention to what you do and what you look like, what your body language is saying than what comes out of your mouth. Not that they don't listen to what comes out of your mouth. I mean, sometimes they don't if they're between 13 and 14. I'm just, just saying. Um, <laughs> I have teenagers too. <laughs> oh, you do, right? So, um, but you know what? It is really important, you know, to do these things so that, you know, you, your nervous system is able to get into that relaxed, you know, uh, 
parasympathetic, what I call hot tub state, right? Get out of that stressed, <laughs> sympathetic dominant, right? Get it yeah. down. And I always like to call it the hot tub state because when we live in this relaxed state, you know, when you come out of the hot tub, you can't be angry. Mm. You're going to be happy. You're going to be chilled. And it's because your nervous system is deeply, deeply relaxed. And what I'm saying is 10 minutes a day, if you want to do more, go for it. But 10 minutes is enough to keep it lubricated so that it can be responsive to stressors, activate, go down, activate, go down. What's happening to everybody is they're activating and it's staying up and then it's going activating and it's going up and then it's activating. And then what happens is who hasn't felt like that when they're so freaking annoyed. And then you throw some hormone changes in there. And then, you know, somebody puts an empty box of cookies back in the pantry and you're ready to kill somebody. Yeah. And that, you know, <laughs> you brought up the hormones, which is great. Cause you know, I, I talk about and work a lot with women on yeah. hormone issues. And like one of the biggest things that throws them out of whack ladies is stress. And when we aren't doing these things to self-regulate and to keep our nervous system in check and to, you know, keep our moods more stable. And so when you're experiencing those massive swings over, you know, and I, I've been guilty of this too. I have teenagers who <laughs> like, I was gone for 10 days and I'm like, how many empty boxes can I pull out of the flipping pantry? Honestly, I mean, people. <laughs> Freaking throw them in the garbage, right? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> My husband's just as bad. But, you know, that aside, like those little things don't send you into this huge uproar. It's, it's, you can have like a, you know, actual adult conversation about it. Um, it's all the things that led to that, you know? And I yeah. think the thing that's always really surprising to people about stress is that, you know, we know from science that it could be happy stressors as much as it can be bad stressors. Like I'm just coming out of a, a book launch, right? So it's my third book. It's my second book launch in a six month period. Um, and I love this book. It's called, it's going to be okay. And it's amazing. It's a wonderful resource, but it's been a lot. I mean, you know, I've been on dozens and dozens and dozens of podcasts and TV shows and articles and things like that. Super fun, but it means that you're shortchanging something, right? So, you know, for me with sleep, I chose to get up ex to continue to get up early so that I could get my 30 minute workout in. Cause I know that if I don't work out, it's a slippery slope for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel even worse when I don't, when I don't do that, but my sleep has been affected and I'm conscientiously now trying to work back to get it back on track. And I think that's so key because I know I've been guilty as high performing woman owning like a seven figure clinic and chiropractic clinic and all that yeah. stuff. It's like, there was never a break. Like I just kept going. Right. And so I was just on this trajectory kind of, you know, straight up and it needs to have the valleys where you come down from the, you know, chaos and the stress where you're not always just pushing and whether that's career or business, like family life. I mean, we can strap ourselves so bad with kids activities and all the, all the stuff we do these days. Um, so it's so true, right. You know, and, um, and also too, I think we need to be careful, you know, we're coming sort of out of this pandemic. We don't know what's going to be happening and people have sort of like jumped into the deep end. Right. Yeah. And they're just revving back up. And, and maybe some people use this time to recalibrate, right? For especially for women that are listening right here, they're probably listening because 
they're at a place where they're like, wait a second, I need to do more and traditional ways have not helped me. And I need to think about a different, a deeper level of change, which is awesome. And you need to continue that journey. And it's an evolutionary process, um, yes. you know, and, but there are also people that are here that are like, I haven't really found what is helping me. So you, you definitely need to do that before you jump into the deep end of the pool and start layering stressors in because you're, you know, want to get your kid back into soccer and this and that and whatever. And maybe you don't have supports, you know, so it doesn't mean you don't do anything because I don't want you to do that. But um, when you're not operating at your best, you want to be really strategic about what you do with your time. You know, I think it's a great lesson for kids to have stress management too, on how to negotiate. My kids don't like to do a lot of stuff. Like they enjoy their downtime. And I'm like, oh, well, what do you think about this? Even today, I said to my 10-year-old, what time do you want your tutor to come over? Would you prefer three o'clock? And then you can have time to do this, this, and this, or four. And he was like, I think four o'clock. And I was like, okay. You know, and uh, he he understood what he needed and he was able to, it's a simple choice. And when you can give choices to your kids, it's great too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's been interesting for me and we'll kind of circle that to, because I, I know a lot of women listening to this might be like, okay, it's all sounds well and good, but like how the heck do, you know, my kid has this going on. How do I really make time? Like I, I have patients who have kids with Lyme disease and yeah. pans, pandas, some of the more intense things that really take, you know, it takes a lot as a parent. Like I, I watched my mom get Lyme probably around the same time your son did. Um, yeah. you know, she's had it for 20 years now and it's not an easy road and it went neurological with her. And I mean, there's a yeah. lot of stuff yeah. that you really don't know until you go through it with them. And it's, no. it's um, I mean, the bulk, bulk of the clients that I work with all over the world, whether people come to my center or virtually their kids are often in crisis when they come to me. Yeah. So we're not saying it's easy. And that's why I say 10 minutes. Okay. So you owe it to yourself and you owe it to your kid. Remember. So first you're taking care of yourself, trying to get that nervous system down. Your child is going to regulate off of you. And so you need to do that. That's the cycle. That's the deep underlying part of it. But also on the surface level, they get to see that you are taking care of yourself and they get to learn that for themselves. A lot of times parents will say to me, whether their kid is you know, typical or in crisis or has a struggle, right? Um, That their child is resistant to these things. Well, are you doing it with them? Are you role modeling? Are you, this is, these are important changes. I have, have my older son, he's on the other side of pans, even though that damn Bartonella rash came back about a month ago. So we're back on, but he's better than he ever has been behaviorally and emotionally socially in his entire life. Okay. And, um, you know, you, you have to find that time to help them because it's so important that they understand my kid as difficult as he was his entire life. He would do these things with me. He would do some biofeedback. He would do some neurofeedback. He did PMF. He saw me doing it. 
He saw his father doing it. He, you know, he got to see that we valued these kind of things. So even if at times, if it was age appropriate for him to begrudgingly do it, I mean, now both my boys, a 10 and a 16 year old ask for things, you know, I gave my son, we had to go back on all these, you know, homeopathy and herbals and all this other stuff for his, his, his Bartonella rash coming out. And, um, I gave him some electrolytes and I said, what do you think of this? And he says, I don't like it. He's like, but if you want me to take it, I'll take it. And I thought, wow, yeah, this is a marked improvement, you know? Um, and right. Big deal. And I said to him, oh, you're so better than your dad. Cause your dad is a big wussy and he <laughs> makes it like, oh, it's terrible. He makes all these faces when I give him things. He looks like he's having a seizure. Um, and, and we were just cracking up because it's the truth, you know, got to laugh too. And all this people. So how do you do it? You find who can't do 10 minutes. I, I, I challenge you to that. And you, you know, if your kid is really struggling, I've been there. I'm a pans mom. I've been there when I thought I should call a priest for a demonic possession. I mean, I'm not joking, but I am, but cause it's there. So, yeah. you know, I get it. You know, I've been there when my kid, you know, uh, came after me with knives, you know, this is not, this is serious stuff. Um, and, but you, you, owe it to yourself. You owe it to your kid. And it's part of helping them. It's part of helping you. And when we do this too, I think the other part of this is, you know, what are, what are we actually teaching our kids besides self-care? How are we teaching them to deal with their own stress without constantly grabbing onto you? Um, which is a big challenge today. And it's the biggest decline Alex, that I've seen in kids in my 30 years in mental health is their, the lowering of stress tolerance. Kids today do not know how to manage stress and right. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I think like, I don't know what you think about this, but I'm just thinking about this because my son's playing video games right now, but you know, like I, I watch him and he's like getting so stressed out, like playing these games and it's, we don't have the things that are. I mean, I, I put, yeah, I've put things in place, but you know, it's like, he doesn't understand, like you shouldn't be that stressed out over a game like this, just calm it down. Yeah. So, well, video games, I mean, there's not one factor, right? right. I think there's a lot change, of, there's a lot of factors. Um, and I think technology is a factor. I think it's more about, I don't think technology is evil. I think we're spending too much time on technology, right? So the average uh, seven to 12 year old spends pre-pandemic in 2019, about four and a half hours Mm -hmm. and 13 to 18 year old spend seven and a half hours. So the question is, what are they not doing? Right? Mm -hmm. So if you're constantly on video games, where's your creative play? Where's your collaborative play with other kids? Where's uh, physical, you know, um, motor planning, eye hand coordination activities. So we're seeing that kind of decline. We're also teaching kids that you, you need constant stimulation. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, I know that like, you know, my phone, which is a computer, right. (laughs) I remember going on vacation and I think he was seven. He drew my seven-year-old drew a picture of me sitting in the chair with my phone in my hand. Oh, yeah. It's confronting. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, 
need to be putting my phone down and dying. <laughs> right? And and so yeah. I do that. I do that and I try to get it away from me when I'm doing things like having lunch with my kids or whatever, just like physically move it away from me because it's very on a deeply subconscious level. You want to check it. You want to look at it. It buzzes. What's that? You know what I mean? So, um, and so we have to role model that and we have to have things in place of that. But I think ultimately kids today don't have good coping skills because they are not having opportunities to play and they're not working things out with their peers and parents are, you know, bubble wrapping their kids. Like there's a bubble wrap parenting going on. Nobody wants their kids to experience anything uncomfortable. Right. And so we're avoiding uncomfortableness. And what happens is when kids don't learn how to connect those body sensations, like you know, what's, what's really being angry? What's grief? What's sadness? Um, you know, all those ranges of emotions, they're not connecting with them and learning how to tolerate them and finding those coping skills. It just keeps moving forward in a negative way. They don't have solutions on how to deal with these things. And they always look to adults and adults are always going in with life preservers. And so one of the biggest ways that parents can preserve their own sanity, but also give kids the keys to lifelong mental health, to really develop resilience and grit is to get them to learn how to cope. And it's through simple shifts and how they parent. So instead of always rescuing your kid, right? So, you know, your kid is mad that um, they come in and they, they are like, I got to see on that test, you know, a, a parents will say things like, well, uh, why did, you know, why did that teacher give you that instead of hmm, how did you earn that? C? Let's look at that. And those kind of shifts in language to teach them the ways to cope with it. Right. Oh, you got a C. Well, last time you got an A, what'd you do different? Oh, I did this and that. Okay. So what are you doing next time? Okay. Do you need any help with that? No. Or yeah. Okay. You really got to push your kids to learn how to manage and problem solve on their own. And, and without that, their nervous system doesn't know how to regulate. Everything becomes a stressor if they can't cope with it on their own. Yeah. And I I mean, you know more about this than I do, but you know, in all of my training, like kids with ADHD or with some of the more neurologically based issues that they deal with now, a lot of it is like, they don't know that they literally can't regulate. So everything is just coming at them all the time. And, you know, then they start to develop symptoms of that and it's all reaction to that. Yeah. It's about, it's, those are the epitome of a dysregulated nervous system, which is the basis of my work is to regulate the nervous system, then come in with new learning. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they're always trying to find a workaround, like a pill isn't going to fix that. You got to regulate the nervous system. And then you have to teach them new behaviors. And you're like, well, what do you mean new behaviors? Well, even a one-year-old has developed habits, ways of doing things. And as kids get older, and I mean, kids like 20 something year olds, I work with them too. You form habits and sometimes habits are healthy, right? And sometimes they're not. And it's the brain's habits. So we have to replace um, behaviors that aren't serving behaviors that are causing failure. We, we have to change that. And the nervous system has that capacity. You just have to give it the right input. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And part of that right input, as we've been talking about, is mirroring it for them. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. doing it for ourselves. Yeah. I mean, this parenting thing ain't easy. You know no. what I mean? <laughs> and you get what you get. You know what I mean? Like I, I did detoxing before I even conceived before it was cool. Like, you know what I mean? I was organic yeah. and healthy and doing stuff my whole life. You know, who, who's to think that a tick was going to cause this kind of thing for my older one and my younger one's dyslexic. He's totally fine. I'm not worried about him. He's learned yeah. to read He's whatever he's going to be, I look, <laughs> you know, he'll be fine. I'm taking marriage offers for him. He's an incredible kid. So um, not that his brother's not incredible, but he's a difficult kid. He's really difficult. He's almost just at 16. Everything isn't a no. I've had a kid my entire life. It didn't matter what it was. He said, no, you know, that's hard. That is really hard. And I think all of my Lyme and pans and anxious and your kids diagnosed with ODD, let me tell you, ODD and a real diagnosis, there's something else there, but they have a mood disorder. These are all things that kids are experiencing at higher rates. I mean, there's just so incredible, you know, one in 37 kids have autism. I mean, it's real, you know, numbers not getting better. They estimate that in about 20 five years will be one in four children will be born with autism. And I have all kinds of thoughts on why that is, but we don't know. That's no, that's, that's a whole other conversation. conversation we should talk about moms <laughs> yeah. and autism and stuff like that. And yeah. Yeah. So we're trending towards that for a reason. And there's a lot we can do to unwind that. Yeah. And a lot of what we talked about. So on this episode is, you know, heading in that direction. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, just in, in wrapping up first, uh, how can people connect with you if they've got? Yeah. So more? I'm pretty much Dr. Roseanne everywhere. So if you're just listening, it's D-R-R-O-S-E-A-N-N.com. Um, on Instagram, I'm Dr. Roseanne, TikTok, YouTube, Pinterest, Facebook. I am Dr. Roseanne Kapana Hodge because somebody else had the nerve of taking Dr. Roseanne. Oh, how dare they? <laughs> But that's where people can get me and you can, you can click there and you can find my book. It's going to be okay, which is basically a roadmap on how to um, reverse and reduce mental health problems. I mean, I've got the system and it works. Um, Or you can go to it's going to be okay.com. Awesome. And, you know, I encourage everyone with that. I I know watching my own son just go through the pandemic stuff, like it it's affected them just as much as it has all of us. And if not more so just absolutely. Absolutely. And we shouldn't, you know, there's a lot of things we can do to really, um, struggles are missed takes 11 years on average from the onset of a mental health problem before somebody gets proper help. And I'm talking loving homes could be all kinds of homes, but it can also occur in loving homes. And I think the pandemic highlighted that, that people were like, wow, my kid's really having a hard time. Um, Mm -hmm. and don't expect your kid to be like, I'm depressed. I'm anxious. It just happens. It shows up in behavior. So nobody ever regrets getting help. They only regret when they don't. And so it's so important to really do that deeper work um, because everybody wants their kids to be happy and healthy, but we can't just wish for it. We have to take action on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I've never been one to shy away from, you know, getting him into therapy or like getting out, use outside resources, use someone like Dr. Roseanne just to, to help them. I mean, and it's a beautiful thing and it always, you know, it always moves the dial, 
right? When you have the right treatment, the right time, it, it absolutely helps move the dial. And a lot of our work is lifestyle changes and it's yeah. just so dramatic. You know, when I really dive into a lot of lifestyle changes in my book, but um, it's also about a different way to look at things, which, you know, people always ask, like, how do I get so many dramatic results? And I'm like, it's because I use neuroscience and I don't just guess. I actually, you know, I have 40 pages of research citations and, you know, I'm not okay with the way things are with kids. I'm just not going to sit here and let this happen. And we need to get this message out, you know, and, and it really can be, you know, parents are stressed for a reason. Like I'm not denying, I I and you have experienced highly stressful periods. Um, I would never wish on my worst enemy what I experienced with my son with pants. When I had every resource, funds, you name it, and still couldn't beat this damn Lyme thing, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's even more stressful when you don't have that. Right. So it's, you know, so we, we can't pretend stress isn't real. We, but what we can do is we can control, um, how our body and mind reacts to it. And we have a lot of power in that. We really do. I interviewed another woman on the show and we talked about stress as a perception and, and it is, and it very really, you know, the manifestation of it in our bodies is real, but we have the ability to de-escalate it. We totally do. I talk a lot about a resiliency mindset and it's how you view, manage, and recover from stress, right? So there's a lot in the best people, their mindset, how they right out of the gate, how they view stress and the best people in managing stress. We just don't view stress the same way. I don't view stressors the same way as my peers. I see it all the time. Like, you know, I know what my stressors are. I recently bought a car and the guy was like, you're just always so pleasant. He's like, what really pisses you off? And I was like, oh, that's easy. (laughs) That's rude people. He's like, insane. And I was like, I cannot stand rude people. You want to, you want to get me going like to be like, nope. I mean, I'm going to set a boundary with you in two seconds. It's not acceptable. It's never acceptable to be rude. I have no, I have no tolerance for rude people. Now I'll be like, you are stressed. Can I help you? But you got one shot with that. (laughs) So, but it is really how we view stress. And, you know, I know it's hard. Like you got a kid who's nonverbal and autistic. Let me tell you, that's freaking hard. You know, I've had moms with three kids with autism, you know, God bless. I mean, this is hard stuff. And they, they just were like, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. And they found ways and um, for themselves and their kids. Which is incredible and awesome. It is awesome. It is awesome. And as I always say, you know, wherever you're at, it's going to be okay. You just got to take action. And that action is specific to you, you know, and sometimes it's just the smallest things. Maybe, maybe it's doing that breath work, you know, every day. And that's all you can do. And you know what you need to be like, that is what I am doing. I look forward to the change. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dr. Roseanne, thank you so much for coming on to sharing your message and helping me reiterate that it is important to take care of ourselves, ladies. (laughs) It's honestly the best thing we can do for our kids. So no matter how hard the struggle is. So important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, be sure to check out her book. It's going to be okay, right? That's the name of the book. And visit drrosanne.com. And we just appreciate your time and you coming on. Well, thank you for the conversation. 
Thank you for tuning in to Rejuvenated Women, Impeccable Health for High-Performing Women, where we provide you with the tools, information, and inspiration you need to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a review. Each month, I will select one lucky subscriber to receive a special Impeccable Health sample kit from me. Also, I don't want to be working with you on your health only once or twice a week. I want to be in this conversation and in the trenches with you every single day. I invite you to join me at www.emergentwomenih.com for even more information, inspiration, and motivation to transform your health and become vibrant, energetic, and on fire. Until next time, remember to keep putting yourself first so that you can better serve the ones you love and the things you are passionate about.